Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, episode 355. This is the weekly podcast about American flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal and local supply of flowers and foliage. This podcast is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free nationwide online directory to florists, shops, and studios who design with American-grown flowers and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor for 2018, Florist Review Magazine. I'm delighted to serve as contributing editor for Slow Flowers Journal, found in the pages of Florist Review. It's the leading trade magazine in the floral industry and the only independent periodical for the retail, wholesale, and supplier market. Take advantage of the special offer for a free trial issue at deborahprinzing.com, where you can also find the show notes for today's episode 355. American Flowers Week is the original domestic floral promotion holiday, and it takes place June 28th through July 4th. A few weeks ago, I welcomed Hedda Brorstrom of Full Bloom Flower Farm as she and I discussed the glorious dahlia gown she created for our 2018 floral couture collection. In today's episode, and also on next week's show, you'll hear from the four additional designers who, along with Hedda, created our stunning lineup of botanical fashions. You can see all the photos of these gowns in the show notes at deborahprinzing.com and see bonus content at americanflowersweek.com. Today, I've invited Faye Zierer Kraus of Flora Organica Designs, based in Arcata, California, and Carly Jenkins of Killing Frost Farm, based outside Missoula, Montana. I've asked each to chat about her vision for the gown she created. Faye teamed up with Sun Valley Flower Farms in her hometown of Arcata to design and create a stunning iris gown. Carly fashioned a woodland couture gown by drawing from her favorite source of botanical ingredients, the forests of the Pacific Northwest and the state of Montana, where she frequently forages conifers, cones, mosses, and lichens, and more. These two talented Slow Flowers members are so inventive and creative in their artistry and in the way they interpreted my request to design and fabricate a wearable floral fashion. I'm blown away by how each of these women took a singular idea, buckets of just harvested botanical ingredients, a few simple tools and supplies, and magically transformed them into works of art. As Faye explains, using a single color of iris was more impactful and better defined the garment's form than if I used a mix of colors. She drew from 1,500 Hong Kong irises donated by Sun Valley Flower Farm. It was a variety that has slightly ruffled sapphire blue petals and a yellow blotch. These features are portrayed beautifully as a floor-length iris skirt with a soft drape reminiscent of regal velvet. You'll want to check out the photos and a link to the feature story I wrote for the June issue of Slow Flowers Journal in Florist Review to learn more. Our second guest, Carly Jenkins, is the queen of the forest and her woodland-inspired couture costume is also fit for a queen. Carly's favorite design ingredients are sheets of moss and patches of lichen in many shades from gray to green. She loved the challenge of creating a wearable and attractive garment with humble materials. I definitely wanted to create a beautiful gown, she says in the Florist Review article. Rather than having beauty and strength be mutually exclusive, I wanted to see them together. 
Carly and her frequent collaborator, fellow Montana flower farmer Catherine Sherba of Mighty Fine Farm, assembled a fantastical garment that truly reflects time and place. I can't wait for you to see the images, and I'll also share a link to my florist review story about Carly's woodland creation. As part of the interviews, I asked both women to share updates on their floral businesses. It's fitting because both are past guests of this podcast and each has continued to develop and diversify her floral business, especially since you first heard her story here. I'll share links to Faye and Carly's earlier episodes as well as their social places so you can follow along and learn more. So let's get started with this engaging tribute to American Flowers Week. Welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast, and I am so excited today to introduce Faye Krause of Flora Organica Designs. Hi, Faye. Hi, Deborah. Thanks for nice jumping on. Back. Yeah, it's good to have you back on the podcast. The last time you were here as a guest, you had just designed the uh, Field to Vase dinner um, look, tablescape installations at um, uh, Sun Valley Flower Farm in uh, Arcata, where you're also based, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. 2016. Yeah, when I was looking at my last interview with you. Mm. Really, that's right. It's more than two years ago. Wow. Well, we're uh, on the line because we've reunited for American Flowers Week, and I um I knew that uh, Sun Valley uh, would be happy to support um, a project because. Um, they love promoting their flowers, of course. And I, when I suggested that you might be uh, interested in designing um, a, a floral couture look, they jumped on it. And so thank you so much. Um, you're kind of one of the main uh, local designers in the, in the Humboldt County area um, who's doing weddings and events in a, with a local theme, right? Yeah, we have a couple others as well that, I've, that I like to work with and refer out. Mm. Oh, good. So there's a bit of a community then. Yes. Yeah. What's it like for so this year? I'm take as many. <laughs> oh, because you had a little maternity leave in there, right? <laughs> a little bit. A couple days. <laughs> so, well, well. Anyway, uh, it all worked out wonderfully because I I had this um, idea similar to last year when I thought the sunflower is a lowly uh, common annual, and I want to elevate it into a kind of a couture look. Uh, similarly, this year, I thought the iris is a challenging flower. And um, would it be cool to do a iris wearable gown um, for American Flowers Week? And of course, <laughs> you probably wish I'd ask you to do a different flower, but it turned out so beautifully. Um, I did, tell us a little bit about what what you had in mind and how you worked with the irises. Well, um, I think as I've mentioned before, I like the irises because they are kind of a lowly underdog flower. And um, the other kind of option for the local flowers in, the, in a big mass is tulips. Mm -hmm. And those are a little bit more distracting, so many different colors, different choices, and also probably a little bit more delicate to mm -hmm. work with. And I was trying mm -hmm. to figure out what would work well while being seven and a half months pregnant as well, or actually eight and a half months pregnant. <laughs> You're amazing. Um, <laughs> uh, superwoman. <laughs> That would be a little easier to make sure they're all open. Uh, so there was definitely some, what was easier is part of why I picked the irises. Oh, interesting. Uh, also, I thought the color is just really stunning in the mm -hmm. spring mm -hmm. uh, as well. And um, 
yeah, they, they're fairly easy to decide when they're going to be open. And then I popped them all in the cooler so they could hang until I put them on the dress. So when you got the irises, they were they um, pretty tight? I was just looking up the variety. It was called Hong Kong, which is um, uh, just a kind of a pure purple-blue iris with a yellow throat, right? Yeah, I'd ask for whatever's kind of the most deep purple to get that velvety tone more than the bluer ones. Mm. I thought that would show up better mm-hmm. in the photos. And, yeah, they were tight, you know, barely cracking, but within a day or two of being in my studio at 75 degrees, they had all pretty much opened up nice and big. But then you put and them then, in the cooler to hold them at that at that stage you wanted them at for the actual production. Yeah, I, I popped some in the cooler, kept the other ones out that need to open and rotate them in and out as mm. needed to be mm. um, to get them nice enough. And then the dress I assembled the day before the shoot, that one in the cooler overnight, they held really well with no water source. Wow. Um, I added some the day of. I made the shawl the night before as well, for the most part, mm. um, with the addition on the day of. Well, Faye, you're, you should get into fashion design because I loved what you did. And I think um, you had to think of, in a way of, about this as a textile uh, component rather than a botanical component in terms of creating something that that had a drape to it, right? Yeah, and I actually I have a bride this year that wants fl- she wants to wear flowers, so we have to figure out how to do that, which I'm excited about. Ooh, um, ooh. And we'll be in as you know, not as many as this, and we're not sh- we haven't quite figured out what we're going to do yet, but that should be a fun project. Mm. Um, actually wearable and movable for an entire day. <laughs> wow. Yeah, really. I would want to see the photos of that. All right. This model, you only, um, you had, uh, Morgan in the, in the garment for what, a couple hours? Maybe not. Yeah. About an hour probably tops actually a mm. little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a little cold that day. So we, we shot as quickly as we could and then had a couple rain showers and then, uh, <laughs> We had what we needed. <laughs> it is Humboldt <laughs> County, right? It wouldn't be, wouldn't be, uh, yes. wouldn't be a photo shoot the without rain. Oh, no, nope. really. nope. <laughs> I kind of uh, um, picked up on something you said I want to go back to, and that uh, the idea that the um, while tulips are gorgeous, they they tend to. I don't know. I'm assuming you were going to thinking about like how how would they hold up to being manipulated? Would they snap the head snap off more likely than than the iris? Yeah, the heads, I think, would snap a lot more. The iris, I, actually, I pulled a lot of them completely out of the stems that are just that neck part, but that is still fairly pliable, and each each stem on the dress had to be individually sewn to it uh, to get mm. them to stay in the place I wanted them to. Oh, my gosh. So the tulips, would have we would have had a lot more neck snapping, especially when Morgan put the dress on, which that was a, that was a challenge to get it on her mm-hmm. without too many falling off and then we walked across the property and I think we only lost three or four in that whole, uh, you know, yeah. a few hundred yards. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we'll show photos of the final look, um, beautifully photographed by, uh, Leon Villa. How do you say his last name? Villa Gomez? Leon Villa Gomez. Villa Gomez. Sorry. I'm not very good at my pronunciation. Um, uh, he is, this a, he's a photographer you work with on local weddings and stuff. 
Yeah, yeah, I work with him for several times mm. a year. He's actually shooting the wedding that I'm doing that will have the botanical mm. outfit as mm. well. Oh, let's get that published. Let's, <laughs> yeah, let's get that published. It sounds fabulous. Um, we'll work on it. Yeah, so you you had, okay, how did you think deconstruct this and think about building a garment with irises? Because um, they can look kind of fluffy and bulky, but you, you created this, as I said, this drape to the look. You, you use some kind of... T- uh, material underneath it right yes uh yeah that was the trick is how to make a botanical dress with a flower that is rather large once opened without completely drowning the model as mm-hmm. well in mm-hmm. the flowers which is why i opted for a skirt and a bodice a shawl as opposed to the full bodice as well um the underskirt is a tool long floor length tutu that i bought on amazon and it was a dark blue, so if you saw mm. any of it, you wouldn't see too much. That and that smart. did help get a flowy shape. I added greenery to the base of the dress to kind of pull the, the tool out and give it a little bit of stiffness so the whole thing wouldn't just fall in, in the, at the base to kind of get a little bit of um, movement outwards to create a better yeah, shape. Yeah, it has dress. a little bit of a, of a taper almost where it's the, the greenery is almost blending right into the ground, but it has, it has a nice cascade to it. And did you yeah. actually, in, did you say you individually sewed each one of these on? Almost all of them I did. Oh my the God. ones near the top got glued in around the, uh, and kind of sat on the ones below it, but all the ones at the base, uh, well, yeah, all the way up to the top, except for the ones that are facing upward were all sewed on. It was not the way I was planning on making it, but it was the way that worked. Why? What were you planning um, on doing? Were you planning on gluing? I was planning on using, um, actually, probably less irises on the dress and more ferns, but it mm. wasn't. The ferns aren't fully on yet. Mm. Um, that would have worked as a base, and I was going to weave with probably a chicken wire base, uh, and then be able to tuck more of the irises in and some glue. I could have glued with the dress, but I didn't want to use. 10,000 tubes of glue. Yeah, yeah. Everywhere. everywhere. Oh, my uh, and gosh. And the sewing actually went fairly quickly, considering. So you weren't cursing me every time you had to, like, stick that needle through the skirt? Damn it, Deborah. Maybe a little bit. <laughs> my ankles might have been. <laughs> Did you start at the top, like, the waist and work downward? or like Because they do have this I nice layer. I started at the bottom. I started at the bottom and worked up so that the heads would layer over the stems of the layer below. Right, right. And then worked all the way up until the last iris pulled the skirt down, mm. at which point then I had to zip tie it to the um, dress form. Cause it just, <laughs> and then I just, kept adding it. Just because of the weight? It got too heavy. <clears throat> yeah, it just got, there was the one iris that broke the camel's back. It just pulled it down. Um, and then... I kept sewing all the way up, and then when I got near the top so that they'd face the right direction, those ones were tucked in and glued in. Got it. Got um, it. So we had that. It made it kind of come out at the top. So is it was it and, a, a, like a drawstring or elastic waist uh, kind of t- uh, tutu? It, it was just elastic waist uh, for the tutu, and then to make sure it stayed on the model, I attached the skirt to a belt mm. with zip tied and mm-hmm. then we cinched the belt as tight as we could so it wouldn't fall down no yeah it, um, it, and it's covered that 
Oh, and then I covered that with a velvet sash, a purple velvet sash. Oh, wow. Kind of, no. Yeah, it doesn't look like it's, um, cho- you know, a tourniquet or anything, but I see in one of the photos, the velvet is kind of a nice finish detail um, be- that kind of connects the the flowers to this, like, ba- like ballerina form-fitting top that you've got, um, a jersey yeah. top. Yeah. It's brilliant. And actually, that jersey top, it, it, it does give the eye a place to, to rest between the the skirt and the shawl, you actually almost would have not been able to read the design as well without that kind of neutral space, I think. Yeah. I think there would have been too much purple, mm-hmm. not know where to, where, where to look. Yeah. Definitely gives that place to rest. The sh- to yeah. The shawl is beautiful too. It's kind of asymmetrical the way it wraps around her shoulders and you use a lot more, a variety of flowers there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, tulips from Sun Valley and, and um, hyacinths for fragrance and also both local and very springy time flowers. And then there's some ferns um, and then some heliobores from my garden and a couple other odds and ends, greenery, some boxwood. And I forget what else. Hmm. Other things I talked about. The photo will show all, is a lot of textured detail and it just, it is very pretty the way it frames the model space and kind of gives it, um, I don't know, more like a jewelry element than a garment element. But you know what I really um, think was brilliant is where you chose to f- do the photography and how you created a scene with irises in the ground. Can you talk a little bit about that? The backdrop for most of the photos uh, is on one part of our property. We have 10 acres and there's a small redwood grove and then this giant old bay tree which is at least 50 60 years old because it's in the original sketches and blueprints of the house Mm. that we when we bought the house we saw and i had this idea of making it look like the ground was growing or you know in its natural habitat and setting and i was trying to figure out how many stick viruses in ground and we have fairly wet ground here in the winter with lots of rain and i could have and some of them i did i just stuck straight in the ground the ground was pretty soggy for the most part i just stabbed the ground with a large screwdriver and placed the irises in and i probably put three or four hundred in i was hoping to do a few more stems but i i ran out of time and bending over was difficult oh honey oh i wish i had been there to (laughs) it has my main helper was in hawaii that week (laughs) it has this beautiful well what you didn't even have to tell us that because it looks like exactly how you just described it. it looks like a meadow of um kind of almost like naturalized bulbs that just drifted into that space over time um you know, as mother nature would intend, um, you know, a little more defined because they're tall stems, but it is yeah. a love, it's a lovely way to pull nature into that, into that photo shoot and, and relate it to their dress. So congratulations. You did a fabulous, fabulous project for American flowers week. And I'm, I'm just so grateful yeah. that you said yes. I, it was, I had, I, toyed with the idea for a while of what I was going to do and I really went back and forth with all sorts of different ideas and how was I going to pull it off what was going to be the the easiest to do being very pregnant and um but also create the most impact and I was really happy with how it came out and I I'm I I am too and I'm glad and I I'm really glad to hear you say that and I I think just hearing that you know you have 
a client now who wants some kind of flowery, uh, flower embellished dress makes me think, well, maybe these these styled shoots do have a purpose. Maybe they do help you show potential clients a technique that no one's, you know, willing to, to take a risk on until they see it. Um, I mean, I, I know I you do others. It yet. I haven't showed her this shoot yet because it was all under wraps. But <laughs> <laughs> I think, I don't even know if I had done it yet the last time I met with her. I'm not sure. I can't remember. Mm. But uh We'll see what we do. Mm -hmm. I'll keep you posted. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but don't you feel like sometimes the style shoot is sort of your way to be a little more experimental? Um, it is. Yeah, a lot of us try ideas out that, you know, we can't sell the clients without having some background in it. Um, some, something to go off of. So, yeah, definitely they're great for that. And that's, that's why they're... That's why they're fun to do. Well, I know we talked about your daughter um, being one of the models, and um, that didn't happen, but I'm sure she really wants you to make her a flower dress. She does, and she did help. She helps stab the irises in the ground. And, <laughs> and some of the pictures, you can see the ones that are a little bent over. Those are the ones that she was augmenting during the shoot. We had to pull her out of the way. <laughs> she was home from school that day. Oh, cute. Oh, I love it. Um, well, tell us what's going on with Flora Organica Designs this year. I know you took a little bit of time off for maternity leave, but it sounds like you're back into uh, your your summer wedding schedule. I am. My summer wedding schedule starts in a couple weeks. I did take the April, May, and June off from the full season. I have no delivered weddings, only small pickup ones. Of course, in that time, I had to get all my fields planted. Um, I was fertilizing and weeding my roses the day before I went into labor, oh, which course. if I hadn't done, they would not be blooming so nicely right now. <laughs> and sowing all my seeds and dividing dahlias, which are now popping up out of the ground. Um so that I am growing a lot more this year than I have in the past year and the year before, trying a bunch of new varieties. And I bid a lot of my weddings this year with um, the idea of using way more of my own product mm -hmm. uh, as, uh, along with lots of other stuff mm -hmm. too, but trying to plant a little bit more with, you know, I found out last year what I didn't have and things I wanted to add and try and get more of those colors that I need to use. Mm. So you're yeah. growing, your growing area is at your property where your design studio is, right? Yeah. Yeah. It is directly, we have a couple different patches. We have to juggle. We can't get things in very early because of our wet ground with the bottom of a hill mm -hmm. and it rains a lot here in Northern California. Mm -hmm. So I kind of have a late start to my season, but I have an area right to the south of my shop, right outside my office window. And the other one is about 40 feet out the north side of my shop. And it's just whenever we can get the tractor in is when we can finally plant. Wow. And it's interesting that your um, business is changing a little bit so that you are growing more. Um, I'm assuming it, it, there's a couple reasons for that. And you, you kind of alluded to the fact that things that you didn't have last year you wanted to add. Um, I guess are those, do growing your own make your your projects more profitable or i mean i don't know how you would rational i mean i'm sure that you're not having probably to not oh <laughs> it is probably cheaper to still buy everything because it is a lot of work to farm but, i have as a daughter of farmers i know this yes. part of why i'm putting more in is my parents are growing less flowers and moving more towards doing a lot more vegetables and uh, the biggest part of their business is now um, nursery and so I think the only field crops that they're growing as far as flowers this year are dahlias and sunflowers. And then they have perennials like lavender mm -hmm. and a few other things. Mm -hmm. I used to buy 
a very, very large amount of my flowers from them. But as a, as they've transitioned away from as many, I've put in more stuff mm. um, that I would have in the past got from them. Interesting. So that's part of the reason. Part of it, I just can't help myself. Yeah. Their, far, their farm is called Flora. No, it's called Organica. Tell me the name I'm going to mess They're it up. Flora Organica. I'm Flora Organica Designs. When I started in 2005, I kind of had pulled my business out of theirs and was kind of using that name. So I just added the designs to it, which has created plenty of confusion around here. Well, especially since they're not growing Flora anymore. You better tell them they have to change it to Edible Organica <laughs> or something like that. They're Floriganica Farm and Nursery, uh-huh. to be exact. Okay. <laughs> and, you know, maybe maybe there's some, like, scheme uh, that they are trying to get you to be a farmer again, and that's why they're they're letting you take over some of these, you know, beautiful no, annuals and perennials. I'm, no, I'm never going to call myself a farmer, <laughs> even though we have over an acre probably in production between all of our fruit and flowers and veggies. Oh, that's fabulous. More than an acre, actually. Yeah. And then are you selling to other florists, or is it pretty much just no. earmarked? Just for me and, to the you know, I this week I posted roses for sale on Instagram, but I, I don't plan on doing any host sale. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, if you want my, what I have, then you have to hire me for your wedding. Mm, I like that. That's why not? Like this is a kind of an exclusive deal. And, um, yeah, you can do the occasional pop-up sale when you have extras. Like you, I saw you did that on Instagram this week. Did you get takers? I did. Yeah. Oh I my did. gosh. You. you had beautiful, beautiful garden roses that you were posting. So I'm not surprised. Um, well, what, uh, <laughs> what are you going to, um, I'm just so interested in, in like the wedding business and, and how that's working for you. Are you trying to, I know you kind of lost three, three months intentionally, but now are you going to be equally busy for the rest of the year or have you staggered it? Like what's your perfect situation? One wedding a weekend or. I took it a little quieter this year than I do. Uh, usually I do more than one when it works. I always try to make sure I have one weekend a month off without mm. a wedding or mm-hmm. And it has worked out. This year, I have a few months where I have two weekends off, which is great. Probably okay so with some more time. Yeah, yeah, that I schedule it that way, um, just to make it work better. Try not to do any that are too far away from home this time of year, this time with a new baby. Um, so I'm not traveling more than like an hour and a half for an event this year. And then- and I have mostly just one. We one wedding a weekend with some pickup weddings. I have a minimum charge, a minimum spend for the full service delivered weddings, and then I have a lot. Anything smaller than that, they pick up from the studio, and that mm-hmm. that works really well to add a little bit to a weekend without a lot more staff or stress. Right, right, and it kind of makes you more versatile in terms of the uh, client base because I'm sure you have the the very high end weddings, you have destination weddings, and then you have more of the um, almost like elopements or smaller private ceremonies. Yeah, and that's where they I would. I have a lot of elopements. Um, we get more and more people that just want to get married in the Redwoods. I had a wedding last weekend that picked up on Saturday morning. It was just bridal flowers and a couple of larger things. And that's what my next weekend, I have two of those. They're both pickup weddings, which is makes it really nice. I can yeah. have a free Saturday. Yeah. And then I cut you off. I'm sorry. I was just going to ask um, you to talk briefly about your Etsy shop and how, what you do in the quote unquote off season, which you really don't have an off season. You have a separate business. 
or related business, right? I do. Yeah. And that is another thing I scaled down. I actually did not shut at what, when I was on maternity leave, I came home from the hospital and shipped out flowers the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was just doing my bulk flowers live in Earncrest video, which is my parents grow. So I sell their crop for them. And then this year, I, a bunch of the stuff that I put in the field, I've kind of anticipated for dried use. Um, there's a bunch of different heliochrysms, globe amaranth, and other things that I'll be using in dried corsages, boutonnieres, bouquets, and things like that. So hopefully I'll get that part of my business back up and running uh, this fall once all that stuff is blooming. I've kind of scaled it back partially because I haven't wanted to buy in a lot of products that is not local and and organic it kind of goes against mm-hmm. what i how i feel about my business and you know the local and american grown products yeah um, yeah Absolutely. So that's that's an area hopefully i'll get back into we'll we'll see how busy i am what is the name of the etsy shop Faye? it's Faye marie okay Okay, I'll, I'll find the link and put it in our show notes so people can find it. Listening to you, I'm realizing that you, you've you done this um, this shop in a really intelligent way. Like you had the core products that were lavender, like, um, you know, either wearables or just bulk, right? Like yeah, boutonnieres and um, bunches, that sort of thing. And then you added the, the Crespidia. And now I feel like those customers who are used to buying from you, they're probably saying, well, what else do you have? And is that kind of what inspired you to add other crops that you can dry and um, package into products for Etsy? A little bit. When I first started Etsy, it was really only to sell lavender. My parents had a big crop of lavender. We needed to find a way to sell it. And then people started asking, they're like, well, can you make a bridal bouquet? And I'm like, well, I guess I can. Excuse me. Um, And I've, you know, I guess I could make them and ship them. And then from there, I started making more boutonnieres. And then I got Crespidia, and then I made, I don't know, I sold thousands of Crespidia boutonnieres, I feel like, over the last eight years. Um, and so it's kind of, it, it grew naturally. And after I had my first daughter four years ago, I, I kind of dropped a lot of the design work for Etsy, the bouquets, boutonnieres, corsages, just because I couldn't keep up with it. Mm. And now I, um, I'm... And I didn't want to keep buying in a bunch of product or run out of it. And so that is part of why I focus a little bit on things that dry well. I do have a drying space in my shop now that works. It gets very hot up in the upstairs, so I can dry things. Um, and so kind of focus on extending the season. If I'm going to grow all these flowers, I need to find a way to sell them if I don't have a market for them that week. So right. I have extra, go upstairs, and they'll get dried and then be used all winter. That's brilliant. It's, it's almost like... Um reviving that 1970s, 1980s, you know, everlasting flowers business that crafters were doing. And you're putting a new spin on it because your designs are really, you know, fresh and contemporary. But I grew up with that. We, that's my parents grew all sorts of dried flowers in the 80s. And my dad just laughed at me when I'm putting in more heliochrisms because the amount of dried flowers we sold in the 80s and early 90s was incredible put, put you through college right <laughs> well you're... I dropped out of college to be a florist but <laughs> well I think it's wonderful I love how entrepreneurial you are and and also just the practicality of how you know having children and trying to have balance and you obviously work and live in the same place I mean there's so many things pulling you in so many directions that you have to almost start saying no to things and really looking at what's essential to, you know, make, make this all work for you. 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah, cool. Well, it's work in progress. <laughs> always. Well, I uh, want to just publicly thank you for being part of the American Flowers Week Floral Fashion Collection for 2018. Uh, it is a stunning, stunning gown and an inspiring way to, um, I think, reappreciate or find a new love for irises that you've you've um, created and inspired in, in the viewer. So I will, if people haven't seen it, they can come find all the the not all, but many of the beautiful photos um, at our show notes, and then obviously they're in the current issue of Florist Review in a beautiful spread. Um, showing the uh, Leon's photography uh, photographed at Flora Organica Designs in Arcata, California. So thank you, Faye. And um, thank you, too, to Sun Valley for uh, getting on board with this project and providing all these amazing stems that you could work with because that would be hard for you to grow all these yourself. <laughs> yes, it would be. And I also want to thank uh, Morgan, who agreed to model for me at the last minute and for freezing while doing it. She was very good and Leon was wonderful to work with for the, as the photographer and then our hair and makeup on X studio she was wonderful as yeah, well yeah they yeah, all beautiful. made their scheduled work uh, last minute for me which was really great Faye I just have to say the you know Morgan does not look freezing cold but I I that makes her all the more professional <laughs> that she could you know look relaxed in um in a kind of less than ideal circumstance but I guess that's that just worked out really well the way the photos don't reveal how sh that she was shivering or something like that. <laughs> you got through it. Um, thank you so much. And um, anything else you want to add before we wrap up? I don't think so. I think mm. that is it. Thanks again for thanking me for the project. And yeah, I had a lot of fun with it. Oh, good. I, well, if you have time, I want, I want you to post some flowers during American Flowers Week and hashtag them. And um, they don't have to be red, white, and blue. You can just do whatever you want. Just shush. <laughs> <laughs> we, I'll we'll see make what I have <laughs> Okay, great. Thank you so much. Take care. Yes, thank you. Bye. Welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, and I am so excited to reintroduce Carly Jenkins of Killing Frost Farm, our return guest. Hi, Carly. Hi, Deborah. Thanks for having me. <laughs> you bet. You bet. And the reason I have invited you to come back is to talk specifically about the beautiful uh, Woodland Couture uh, gown that you created for American Flowers Week, which is in the pages of the June issue of... Florist Review, if anyone uh, has a copy, you better check it out. And um, and just to publicly thank you, Carly, for being part of this project. It was epic. <laughs> oh, my God. It was like the the dream design gig of my life. So thank you, really. Uh, well, let's talk a little bit about this this look. Um, I had, I'll just give you my take on it, and then I want to hear your take. Um, yeah. I had... You and I had met in last year in 2017 at the um, Whidbey Flower Workshop that Toby Nelson um, was so great to put together, and we had yeah. we had met virtually before that, but we actually got together and um, you we recorded a little podcast there about what you're doing in Montana. But there is something about your design aesthetic that just stuck with me, um, as I recall. 
all the students were doing these fanciful floriferous <laughs> headpieces, and you were you you had a little patch of lichen that you created. I know. Like a fascinator with, right? With all the beautiful floral material to choose from, I was using lichen that I gathered from a parking lot or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Typical. Right. I love it. But it it was stunning. It was so contemporary looking and, and, you know, really just refined. And then I, of course, subsequently saw all of your amazing wreaths that you created art pieces really they weren't holiday decor they were they were beautiful <laughs> art pieces um that had a lot of the same you know lichen theme in it and I thought this is the person I would love to have design a woodland gown and when I asked you you said yes and thank you yeah and I had to like lay down for two hours because I'm so excited <laughs> I was losing my mind um yeah I I think I just now actually gearing up for this conversation have realized um why yeah winter is like the only season for me I I feel like winter design is like my only time for design in the summer my time is the farm's time. Mm. So my head space just really isn't there. So yeah, I do like lean a lot toward the materials that I can get in the winter, which are, you know, lichen moss or dried things. So yeah, I loved having that season. Also, uh, Carly, I feel like it's all uh, kind of free to you. I mean, nature's giving you these elements, right? These ingredients. Totally. I mean, in my, like my, so my, my foraging commercial permit in Montana costs me $20 a year. So wow. yeah, basically it, it's free. So this, you get that from the state? Yeah. Mm. Well, that's good. You get it for each specific national forest. Mm. So, mm-hmm. Wow. That's amazing. So what do, do most people forage to resell or just who knows what they're foraging for? When you try to get that permit for floral type materials, it's very difficult because it's not common here. Really, people are getting those commercial um, permits for what's called um, forest products Mm. for things like mushrooms or berries Mm. or that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it is funny trying to (laughs) <laughs> you're like I, them. I'm not going to eat the moss I, I'm going to glue it <laughs> right right so well, yeah interesting so you're, but if you're, you are foraging and reselling you should get it because it definitely not only is it like what small income for the state but it just tells your local government that the public lands are a resource for people mm, so mm-hmm. yeah and you're not looking over your shoulder when you're out foraging either then exactly yes exactly <laughs> Well, uh, so the material is very familiar to you as a designer and uh, both for the wreaths and for other um, wearable pieces that you've done. Um, So that wasn't that wasn't overwhelming for you to think about um, using the material. But the scale was of of a garment was probably different for you. Right. Yes. Yes, it was it was different, but it was like also something I've been subconsciously preparing for for the last decade of Project Runway <laughs> obsession. So <laughs> we've talked about that. <laughs> I saw what you on that show. <laughs> oh my gosh! But I could only do that one. Cha- I could only do the <laughs> unconventional materials challenge. That's it. Can't sew to save my life. Well, you did construct. A, a very feminine, very fitted bodycon, you know, 
garment for uh, our wonderful model, Berkeley Danish. And Berkeley, love her. I know. Who's modeling at age 17, modeling in New York this summer, by the way? that's She's incredible yeah. and just such a delight. Yeah, yeah, she was amazing. We were so lucky with that. But um, that was, was that was amazing. Like, that took some... I guess just that skill set in your toolbox of that all a lot of florists have to d- rely on, which is uh, I have a vision and I might even have a sketch, but it's all two dimensional. And how do I render that in the three dimensions? So tell us a little bit about how you approach that design process and then the construction. Yeah, well, so I knew I did rely on some sort of undergarments that were actual clothes, you know, that I got at Goodwill or whatever to sort of deconstruct and be my base for some of the more delicate parts. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And then the the working with the chicken wire, I mean, it really, it was not that different to me than constructing like an arbor piece or any sort of installation piece that I would do for like a more typical floral client. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm not, you know, I'm not a very, uh, extensively trained florist. I'm kind of more of like a MacGyver farm kid. So it's probably <laughs> better suited to just have this sort of like math problem of architecture and, and figure it out. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I also feel like you, um, you are really comfortable with things like the chicken wire or that other material. Was it like hog fencing or something? The really wide wire that you brought with you from Montana? Yeah, yeah. And that was just like a, a super roll of, of chicken wire. Oh, it's it was. Not the, like, it's not the friendly coated chicken wire. It looks like more industrial because it's just farm farm wire. Mm-hmm, <laughs> but mm-hmm. So you kind of had some of those uh, just that raw material that you knew you knew you were going to use as the understructure. Um, and we should just say, say you had a lot of this in your car with Catherine Sherba of Mighty Fine Farm. I know. And you drew- Who I tried so desperately to come up here to be on the phone with us, but she says hi. She couldn't make it. Oh, hi, Catherine. Oh, my gosh. You're like, she's like the dynamic duo, the two of you together. Um, I just love her. So, and you, you guys have... A, a, a number of collaborations going on. So we'll talk yeah. about that before we get off the phone. Um, so you loaded up all this stuff in your car and drove to Seattle from Montana so we could do the photo shoot in the Seattle area in like January 6th or 7th, some ridiculous cold, wet, yes. wintry <laughs> time of year. <laughs> um, and and I just appreciate that so much. Um one of the things that you had with you pre-made were these amazing gauntlets with pine cones. And to me, it's, it's kind of the, the surprise of this garment, the way you re-engineered it. Can you just talk a little bit about where that idea came from and how you made it happen? Yeah, well, I mean, so honestly, when, when we first talked about me doing this project, you know, we were already in you know, two feet of snow up at our place in Potomac. So I think um, those gauntlets probably came around because it was maybe the only visible plant material. (laughs) The ponderosas just keep dropping, and I was thinking, like, what can I use? Um, And as I started to take them apart, I, well, yeah, I was still in Game of Thrones mode with my wreaths and whatever, so Mm -hmm. I just 
was looking at the scales and I liked how they looked like armor. And, you know, we talked about this briefly before, but it was just a very strange fall politically. And as I was thinking about just sort of womanhood, et cetera, like I really wanted her to have a strong look and um, it just felt like, right, like a little bit of armor felt right. Yeah, you said, I'm quoting what you said in the Flores Review article, I definitely wanted to create a beautiful gown, but something that also felt strong and fierce. I was obsessed with how the gauntlets could be could look like armor, and rather than having beauty and strength be mutually exclusive, I wanted to see them together. To me, this look is a little Joan of Arc meets Queen of Hearts. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> like, don't mess with her. <laughs> Yeah, and Berkeley is like the right girl to wear it. She yeah. rocked it. Yeah, we got really lucky. So you had a, a you know a number of um, elements, and you had like the neck piece, the sh- sort of um, shrug, I guess yeah, you call it. Were, yeah, yeah. So there were four separate okay. pieces, I think, which was nice. Um, for constructing it and also just for getting it on her body. And I think a part of me felt like, well, if one doesn't work out, something will compensate or I don't Mm, know. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Actually there's five because you had that final color too, right? That kind of rolled, uh, talk about queen of hearts, that kind of rolled frame. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yep. Mm. It's wonderful. That thing, <laughs> that oh. weird crescent soul. <laughs> well, I I think it's um th- there is this sort of movement going on of wearables anyway, um, and, which is delightful. It's so wonderful to see people stretch their um, definition of what being a florist is. And as as you said, you're kind of a MacGyver farm kid. Your your business is diversified. You do also offer design services, but <clears throat> primarily you're uh, trying to grow more pro- more botanical product, yeah. right? Yeah, I think this might be my last year doing design. Mm. Mm. And uh, at least in the summer mm-hmm. uh, for wedding work, I guess. Mm-hmm. I will still do a big wreath kick and wintry stuff when I can get crafty with my hot glue gun in the off season. Right. But um, yeah, our goal is to really just grow for wholesale and do bulk florals. So um, yeah, and as we are scaling out that side, and I am doing weddings, full-service weddings this summer, but I, um, it does not seem sustainable, and I don't want to get in that place where I'm not doing either one justice, you mm-hmm, know? So, mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, yeah. Do you feel like that's because there's just such an opportunity to be a um, high-quality flower grower in Montana just because there's there's such demand and not enough supply. I mean, is that really where the opportunity is? I think that is true. I also think that um, it is really what I want mm-hmm. and what I've wanted from the get-go. And mm-hmm. Jamie Jamie is now full-time flowers, my husband, Jamie. Um, he's, we're not growing any veg, which he kind of ran that side. He was sort of the missing component because mm. he's much more extroverted and, like, Really, you know, so he's, yeah, he, having him on board has really changed it. Um, but you're exactly right. Like, things in Montana are very interesting right now. So the, there was one remaining wholesaler that was trucking in from Spokane, I believe, um, and they 
are no more as of maybe four weeks ago. Um, and I know there's someone else who's trying to reorg and come back in, but um, so now everything has to be flown. Mm. Uh, and there's definitely a demand um, for, yeah, fresh local product, but also things that just don't ship well. And mm-hmm. now, of they're wanting a lot more movement and texture and big branchy things. So absolutely. So what is this? Is this something that you and Jamie have stepped in to do for Killing Frost Farm? Or is this a project of Westside Flower Market, which you and, and Catherine um, co-founded a couple years ago, your wholesale hub? It's all Killing Frost Farm. So okay. even like Westside Flower Market, Kathy and I run the day together, but Jamie and I do all the florist contacts, mm-hmm. fresh sheets, whatever, et cetera, you mm-hmm. know? Um, but, uh, yeah, it ca- I, now that I live in Potomac, I would not survive if I didn't get to run it with Kathy and hang out with her once a week. <laughs> year, so. is, is Potomac is outside of, of Missoula, right? Yeah. Okay. It's so just how far about are... 40, 45 minutes or so, 40 minutes okay. where we are. But that's you. You moved there when you bought land. Is that correct? And where you grow your farm? Yeah, yeah. Yep, just a little over a year ago. Wow, wow. So, what are you actually growing this this summer in your 120 days? So much, but you know the thing that I'm most excited about, which is ridiculous, is my giant pumpkin patch. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm growing so many weird ornamental pumpkins, and it's just one of those things where we never had space for that type of thing, and now we have. 14 acres and can have a pumpkin patch and I'm pretty excited about it. Wow. And will you sell most of those for, uh, decor? Um, or what do you, yeah, what do you that's, plan? I mean, that's my hope, but mm-hmm. we'll see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, <laughs> they are all edible. So if it doesn't work out, we'll just eat squash all winter, eat pumpkin all winter. <laughs> right. Right. Well, I hope, I, I think that that kind of, um, is a bridge product for when there's a, even, after a frost when there's not a lot of floral material available, right? Yeah, that's my hope. I'll let you know how it goes. (laughs) I know the the people who grow the really unique squashes and gourds in the the western Washington area have seemed to be able to sell almost everything they grow. So I I predict big things for you on that. Oh, good. Good news. (laughs) (laughs) So what is is Jamie actually doing, jumping in the truck and making delivery? And Montana's a big state. I just want to ask you about that. Like, what's he doing? It is. Yeah, it is a big state. So we bought a, a van, a sprinter, uh, this winter, um, and or this spring actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, are just doing a bucket run to Bozeman and Butte. Mm-hmm. We would like to add Helena in. It's just a matter of like getting enough florists there interested. Um, Cindy, if you're listening, of Urban Garden. We got you. It's coming. <laughs> she's probably <laughs> but, leading the charge. She's probably asking oh, her competitors to buy from you. She's she's the best. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so there was a big interest in Bozeman. And Bozeman is kind of, you know, a resort town. Um, and they, a lot of uh, sort of destination weddings happen there. So they do have a pretty um, big floral industry there. So that's kind of where we started. Mm-hmm. And you're, and we've um, only been doing it for three weeks. So. Oh my gosh. Well, I, I heard about this. Uh, I think I heard about it through, um, Ralph and Jerry Ann of bindweed or deadhead cut flowers. I think they mentioned it to me and they said, 
uh, oh yeah, this just started and Jamie's driving flowers, you know, to other towns. And I was like, what? That's awesome. I mean, you find a way, right? Yeah, I know. I, I really feel like it for the first time, um, in our farm experience or whatever in the last five years that we're just sort of like, yes, okay, this is what we are meant to be doing. Mm. So Kathy and I run the West Side Market for Missoula on Tuesday, and Jamie heads out on Wednesday to Bozeman Butte, um, and it's awesome. Mm. And, of course, all of his florists love him already. <laughs> Such a charmer. Well, Jamie has that personality that, you know, when he walks into the room, you want to just start laughing and would a you don't even know what he's, he's thinking, but you, you, he has that look on his face like he's got some joke to tell. <laughs> I know. He's the best. It's, yeah, he loves them and loves taking care of them. And on, you know, Ralph and Jerry Ann's, I don't know if you've read their first book. I'm sure you have, but they mm-hmm. talk about the cougar effect mm. and how, you know, most of the people in the floral industry or buying flowers are sort of middle-aged women. So if you can have a cute young dude drop off flowers, they're going to buy more. It's the cougar effect. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Is so that, we're I, really I, trying to make the most of that. <laughs> I love it. Oh, good advice from uh, from Bindweed. I love it. Right? I, I had them on the podcast, and I don't think I asked them about that. That was a couple years ago. So thanks for reminding me what it that's perfect. Hilarious. Um, yeah. And Ralph just came out with a new book. Yes, I just got it. It's I'm excited to read it and, and maybe interview him again. Yeah. Um, so I do want to know, how did you reach out to these florists and uh, in Bozeman and Butte? Did you know who they were already, or did they just catch you know wind of the fact that... that... Yeah. We knew, I think, two I had worked with last fall, um, and they just found me through Instagram and were looking for more dahlias, and so they got a courier to bring and then the rest, Jamie just cold called um, people this winter and started to build up a list and then just show up. Wow. Yeah. And you're obviously feeling a big, big need. And the wholesaler that, that stopped delivering, they weren't bringing, necessarily bringing local product in. They were just bringing in product, no. right? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. No local. I mean, so in an ideal world, cause there are a couple of farms in the Bozeman area and Jamie's actually meeting up with... Julio from Flower Hat mm-hmm. today and mm-hmm. the Rathbinden folks to um, just sort of touch base, but also we've sort of been in talks about like, well, if we're coming back and there are growers there who have product that we don't have, you know, how we can sort of distribute uh, local stuff across the state. Yeah, so, like why? Knows? Yeah, if he, if he returns with an empty truck, that's not as financially viable as returning with product in a truck. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot yeah. of sense. Oh, I wish you a lot of luck. That is a, it's exciting. It's like you're, you're creating this new economy that that out of need, and and I applaud you for that. Oh, thanks, Deborah. I we're excited. Yeah, hopefully, yeah. Cool. Well, we for those uh, of listeners who have not um, been fortunate enough to see uh, the beautiful woodland. Uh, gown, uh, fierce goddess, woodland goddess that um, is came out of Carly's imagination. I would will share photos uh, on today's show notes and also share links to how you can follow and um, you know stalk uh, what what's happening with the folks at Killing Frost, uh, which is Carly Jenkins and Jamie Rogers, and then of course their partner Catherine Sherba of Mighty Fine Farm. Um, 
they're making something big happen in uh, a state that's sort of lost its, you know, reputation for local flowers for a long time. And you're, you're part of the, the movement that's bringing it back, which is awesome. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's do this. Yes, exactly. I, I just want to come up with another crazy idea to get you involved in, but I'm going to give you a little breather so you can oh just... <laughs> Anytime. I, yeah, I just can't thank you enough for letting me be a part of this and also just everything you do. Mm. You're awesome. Oh, I'm so, it's so amazing. You know what I want to do? Um, I have, I think I took a photo of your sketch that you made or you sent it to me. Oh, but yeah. I want to show that sketch with the, the side by side with the final gown because it's, yeah. it's sort of not a typical process and Yet, I'm sure that a lot of people use sketches to sell concepts to, uh, like, for an event space or something like that. So you kind of translated that over to just organize your thoughts. But it's pretty close to the original sketch. It's really close. And the original sketch was far from the original idea, you know. Of course, these things, like, roll over in your brain and you sort of troubleshoot. But I... Sketching is very valuable for me if I'm working with someone else, even someone like Kathy, Catherine, who mm-hmm. knows my way. I'm not the best communicator in a creative situation, so having at least a visual for that other person is very helpful. Mm, that's a really interesting. I mean, I just, their whole process blew me away, and I'll, I'll include the article we've already had so you, people can read more and um, see how detailed this process was down to... I'll just leave people with this image. Uh, Carly and Catherine borrowed space from the Seattle Wholesale Growers Market to do the production, which we thank them so much for that generous donation oh, of space. Perfect. Yeah, and you had like little boxes that were you were sorting lichen by the tone. So yes. there was like <laughs> like pale pieces and more like dark eucalyptus colored pieces, and then you you kind of had the textures sorted, so the really frilly yes. versus the matte. And it was just mind blowing how what someone would say is just a a weird, you know, log covered with lichen. You looked at it and saw six different types of sequins and you know it was just <laughs> it was wonderful it was it was really inspiring i love watching that oh. process yes i i mean i love putting things in things <laughs> so yes but also that was like essential because we knew that way you could say okay i've gone through a third of this variety of lichen that is my vision for the bodice or whatever how much more do i have versus how much more of this garment do i need to place yeah. it on so we could say like okay we need to like rein it in a little on the lotharia or whichever variety mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah absolutely no Helpful. it makes, makes a lot of sense i love that all right well i thank you so much for jumping on the line with me and just giving people a little bit of the backstory and um well, happy American Flowers Week. Thanks for helping me celebrate. Ooh, happy American Flowers Week. You're the best. <laughs> okay, Carly, thanks so much. All right, bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for joining me today. Whatever place you find yourself this week, please feel thoroughly welcome to participate in American Flowers Week coming up June 28th through July 4th. You're invited to join in, and I can't wait to see what you plan and produce. And I'll be searching for your stories and posts with the hashtag AmericanFlowersWeek. We have all kinds of resources for you at AmericanFlowersWeek.com. 
And we are just days from the second annual Slow Flowers Summit, our live celebration of American Flowers Week, scheduled for this Friday, June 29th in Washington, D.C. Only a few seats are left. I love your presence at the summit as we seek to bring together a diversity of voices, practices, and personal stories that together make the Slow Flowers community so vibrant. Take advantage of last-minute ticket promotions, including our plus-one discounted ticket. Buy yours and bring a friend along at a special rate. Share the day with a colleague and your ideas will multiply. I promise you an inspiring lineup of speakers, gorgeous flowers, fun and interactive design activities, and of course, a chance to stretch your imagination in a thought-provoking and stimulating environment. I'm so grateful to our entire community of flower farmers and floral designers who together define the Slow Flowers movement. As our cause gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of the American cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. I value your support and I invite you to show your thanks with a donation to support my ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find the donate button at deborahprinzing.com in the right column. The Slow Flowers podcast has been downloaded more than 329,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening, commenting, liking, and sharing. It means so much. And thank you to our sponsors who have supported the Slow Flowers podcast and all of our programs. They are Arctic Alaska Peonies, a cooperative of passionate family farms in the heart of Alaska, providing bigger, better peony flowers during the months of July and August. Visit them today at arcticalaskapeonies.com. Seattle Wholesale Growers Market, a farmer-owned cooperative committed to providing the very best the Pacific Northwest has to offer in cut flowers, foliages, and plants. The Growers Market's mission is to foster a vibrant marketplace that sustains local flower farms and provides top quality products and services to the local floral industry. Find them at seattlewholesalegrowersmarket.com. Longfield Gardens provides home gardeners with high quality flower bulbs and perennials. Their online store offers plants for every region and every season. From tulips and daffodils to dahlias, caladiums, and amaryllis. Visit them at longfield-gardens.com. Syndicate Sales, an American manufacturer of vases and accessories for the professional florist. Look for the American flag icon to find Syndicate's USA-made products. And join the Syndicate Stars loyalty program at syndicatesales.com. Johnny's Selected Seeds, an employee-owned company that provides our industry the best flower, herb, and vegetable seeds, supplied to farms large and small, and even backyard cutting gardens like mine. Check them out at johnnysseeds.com. The Association of Specialty Cut Flower Growers, formed in 1988, ASCFG was created to educate, unite, and support commercial cut flower growers. Its mission is to help growers produce high-quality floral material, and to foster and promote the local availability of that product. Learn more at ASCFG.org. Mayesh Wholesale Florist, family-owned since 1978. Mayesh is the premier wedding and event supplier in the U.S., and we're thrilled to partner with Mayesh to promote local and domestic flowers, which they source from farms large and small around the U.S. Learn more at Mayesh.com. Certified American Grown Flowers, the Certified American Grown program and label provide a guarantee for designers and consumers on the source of their flowers. Take pride in your flowers and buy with confidence. Ask for Certified American Grown Flowers. To learn more, visit AmericanGrownFlowers.org. 
I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of the Slow Flowers podcast. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more American-grown flowers on the table, one vase at a time. And if you like what you hear, please consider logging onto iTunes and posting a listener review. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. The Slow Flowers podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. Learn more about his work at soundbodymovement.com. Special thanks to Stephen Yaussey for taking over editing duties for the coming weeks while Andrew is abroad. Mm-hmm.